Hi everybody, George here, and I just wanted to thank everyone who's participated in the membership drive this month for the Patreon. As you heard in the mailbag episode, I put a lot of time and work into the show, and it means a lot to me that people enjoy it enough to support it directly. Uh, anyway, this is the last episode of the month, and instead of putting the ad for the pin in the episode, which, by the way, you can still get for a few more days if you act when this episode actually drops, but I decided that the whole episode could sort of act as an ad by giving a sample of the highlight episodes that we're doing over there. Uh, sometimes it's a casual conversation about B-movies, like this episode of Extro 2 with Cody Ziegler, um, and sometimes we talk about existential crises brought on by movies like Solaris, but every time it's a lot of fun. So thanks again to the patrons, and if you haven't signed up yet, hopefully you'll consider it after hearing this great app. Bye. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another highlight episode of the Best Little Horror House in Philly. Uh, this is another episode about just an interesting movie without necessarily being constrained by the best and here to help me do that is a returning guest from the Get Out episode. You might know him as the writer or a writer for Rick and Morty, She-Hulk, and Craig of the Creek. You might even know him as a host of the Darkweeb podcast. And you might have even heard the excellent news about his getting to write a Siege Society one-shot for Marvel, which I'm very excited about. Cody Ziffler is here. Welcome back, dude. Uh, thanks for having me, man. I'm stoked that you're into the Seek Society. Oh, dude, I want to hear all about this because I look, there's been a lot of really fun stuff happening in the Marvel Comics world. Mm-hmm. I loved Hickman's House of X and Powers of X, especially. Um, and you're getting to utilize some really awesome characters like Sabretooth, who's one of my favorites. So what's oh, the hack? I love it. Yeah, we did we didn't talk comics last time, did we? We just did no, like no. just hard nerd stuff, right? Yeah. So like yeah. I don't know I can't say too much about like what happens plot wise, but yeah, like the it was really cool. Like, um, like this is my first like one shot I've ever written for for Marvel. Like, I've written, I wrote a like ten page like Miles Morales short. Um, that was like the first comic I ever wrote, and that's coming out I think next next month. So like going from like ten pages to like thirty, and like going from one character to like a dozen was like, oh wow, <laughs> this is insane. Uh, well, even super- just that short must be awesome though, because Miles Morales is such a like such a fun and dynamic Dude, character, yeah. especially right now. Yeah, dude, it's it's uh, like it was like my little kid in me was like <laughs> doing backflips. Like it's such a fun, sweet little story. But for for like for Siege Society, like uh, the editor that that got me, um, Miles Morales, shout out Nick Lowe, like pitched me this idea. Is like, hey, you know, we're doing this Heroes Reborn thing, and like like one of my favorite stories is like the Under Siege. Like every, it's like a classic like Marvel story. Like yeah, yeah. Baron Zemo is in it, being like his peak Baron Zemo, <laughs> and he's like, we want to do an update with that. But like he things are a little bit different in this universe. So like we can like sort of pick our favorite basically in this world, like, you know, Hawkeye and Black Widow and like Ant Man, all of them were like villains before they became Primo Avengers, like actually Avengers and re- re- recuperated or whatever. So like right. let's like have that, but like just have them never turn because the Avengers don't exist <laughs> in this world. So I was like, Great, I get to like play with all these fun characters and like introduce some like other characters that may- maybe don't get like a lot of shine and like have them basically smash together and like play with my toys <laughs> in the sandbox for 30 pages. It was really fun. Uh, it's, That's it's the really, dream. And we got some really, really, really amazing art from Paco Medina. He like the first time I got it, I was like, did you send it to the right person? Cause I feel like, <laughs> I feel like this is too good for like what I wrote. Like you mean to send this to like a real established comic book writer. It's, <laughs> it's been really fun getting the pages and I'm really excited for it to, to drop. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't wait to, to check that out. I, I'm sure that it's going to be amazing. And uh, 
that's it's just it, i think it's so fun when people get to kind of play around with with these like what if sort of like alternative yeah, uh yeah entries it's fun because there's like i feel like uh, i can only speak for myself but like the thing that really got me into comics was i mean i read them and stuff as a kid but like what really got me into like cape comics was like when i was in undergrad so maybe like shit 10 years ago like i got into like the ultimate line like ultimate spider-man was like the first thing and then ultimate x-men then ultimate final Fa- uh, ultimate final fantasy ultimate fantastic four <laughs> uh like that's what like that was my intro into it and what i think held was that like the whole ultimate line was about like we don't have 60 70 years of like continuity to worry about like you just like jump in fresh these characters and have a new slate so like being able to like do a one shot with characters that exist in a universe that was only been created for a little while also made it seem less daunting to be like, all right, I can like sort of make up what their history is while I'm writing, as opposed to being like having the burden of having to honor 70, 80 years of, <laughs> of history and, and, and losing sleep at night about it. That's that's awesome. So you're getting to write a little Miles Morales short. Mm-hmm. You're getting to write this Siege Society. What's the next on like the dream uh, characters that you want to write for? Well, I did get it, but I can't say who the character Ooh. is, but it'll be, it's really fun. It's uh. Uh, it's like definitely a dream character, definitely another daunting thing, but like very excited. It's a really, really, really talented team around it. Uh, and when, uh, when it's announced, I think you'll definitely be stoked about it. Uh, Hell yeah. now that I'm learning that you're also a fellow comic nerd. Hell yeah. Well, I can't wait. And, uh, everyone out there, you'll have to, uh, keep an eye out. So <laughs> yeah. as much fun as it, and as long as I could talk about comics, we're not here to talk about comics today. <laughs> we're here to talk about extra two, which is a spotlight movie yes. that you chose. Yes. And I I love that we're going from talking about Get Out, this incisive and timely movie, mm-hmm. to classic B-movie knockoff of Schlock. like an all-timer, schlocky goof that. <laughs> I, re- I definitely want to hear about sort of how you got into B-movies, like what you like about them. And you yeah. know, I know you said you specifically love a good Alien, Aliens ripoff. So I'd like to hear about that as well. Yeah, it's such a fun, such a fun genre. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we're sort of cut from the same interest cloth um the way that i sort of got into b flicks is that like um like my so like when i was a kid my aunt and uncle and my cousin lived like next like literally like next door so like we'd like always like i'd always just be over at their house and like my aunt and uncle were really big horror fans um they would always not just like you know jason or like michael myers it'd be like extra and like, like all these like deep cut, <laughs> the real like, shit horror, real heads, yeah no. <laughs> the real stuff yeah like seconds like that do you know that rugger howard movie where he's like and if he's like a hardball detective in the future, and there's like a bunch of rain everywhere, and he's fighting like a this weird monster that sort of looks like Venom. I think it's called like Oh Man Second Sight or something like that. I can't remember what the name of the movie oh, is. Oh, it's like, ringing so many bells. Yeah, but, like that yeah. was like the stuff that they had watched because our local Showtime Rentals was like our local movie store or VHS store, and like they had a whole horror section that when you walked in, it was just like a haunted house with like cobwebs and stuff, and you'd walk oh, in man. and you'd see like <laughs> Evil Dead and bad taste and like. You know, all the like classic horror movies, like, uh, you know, Uninvited, the one with like the cat monster inside yeah. of the cat. Like, that, I remember just like looking at the the box art and being like, oh my God, this is what I'm into. So, like, that's what I remember watching. And like, one of the first movies I do remember seeing or like being scared of as a kid was like, was like Extro 3. But then I like a couple of weeks later, they had Extro 2 and like being really locked into that because I'm like, <laughs> when you're like eight years old, anything that has like blood and monsters is going to terrify you. And like, that sort of started my journey. And like, ever since then, like I've just been chasing that dragon. Like I used to visit this <laughs> God, I wish you could remember this website. It was like badmovies.com or something like that. But their whole thing was like, they would just like 
highlight like all these like you know b schlock movies. that's how i really got into like um like all the peter jackson's early stuff that's how i got into oh, yeah. like you know really like as I, I was like college age when i found these when i refound this website so i was like having like a fl- my eyes were rolling back like <laughs> having like flashback memories so like, oh, yeah like oh this is what this was this is that movie where like there's like a weird monster under the cemetery taking dead bodies and oh this is what this is where i heard about rawhead rex like yeah. that's really what i linked into and like i've had like an affinity for these movies um ever since and like i think also like it's just it, it reminds me of when i was in like undergrad film school like we had this uh it was all like film three it wasn't like practical production stuff so it was all like just learning how to like read a film and what i really appreciated about that course is that the professors um shout out craig fisher i doubt you're listening to this but if anyone <laughs> at, that went to appalachian state university is listening to this and has taken craig fisher give him props from cody ziggler he had this really um really fun and open point of view when it came to like film it wasn't just like you have to watch scorsese and you have to watch right. like you know nine and a half weeks yeah you don't have to watch like the french new wave these things are great but like if you love Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like Paris Cinema is a real thing and people love it and like it's a very valid thing and it's almost more accessible. As that's what he was I think that's what I remember his point of view being is that like you don't have to like understand what the bourgeoisie is to like be like, <laughs> Oh yeah, I have a visceral reaction to this crazy inbred, probably racist family, like yeah. cutting down innocent bystanders and like eating them. <laughs> like that's the thing that everyone can sort of relate to. Like yeah, that's just what taps I, into your natural empathy. Yeah, exactly. And like that's what I loved. And like I also loved that like these things were like, you know, <laughs> made for nothing. Like, you know, you <laughs> look at I mean, it, it sometimes it's it's can be like a charming quality when like I, you know, you mentioned at the top that like one of my favorite genres is like just the aliens ripoff. And like there's such that's such an interesting genre because like, you know, aliens was like just a Vietnam movie. Like that's what that was just Carpenter's or not Carpenter, that was um Cameron. uh yeah, Cameron's take on like the Vietnam movie, this is it. But like, instead of killing, you know, you know, Viet Cong, they're killing aliens. Like that's the thing. And like, so all those classic tropes that you'd see in like the world war two movie of like the badass gun blazer or like whatever, like that was game just being over, man. Yeah. Game over the guy that freaks out. Like that's all <laughs> the stuff that was just transposed over from that and seeing like, and then seeing, so seeing like that removed, but 10, <laughs> 10 years later, but from like, artists that don't have the resources or the writing ability like no like no shade but like they don't have like that 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 the infrastructure that you need to make a successful movie work right them imitating that is just very fun to watch like people can't see but like i have extra two just on on my second monitor right now muted. <laughs> and like my favorite thing about it is just like the production like they obviously found like a warehouse that they could shoot out of or some like smoke steam factory so like basically all their big action shots have just been hovering around like them walking through this thing from various different ways and then they just like <laughs> add in like a curtain or like a grade and it's very fun just seeing like that sort of budget being stretched over the course of a 90 minute movie and people loving it yeah oh absolutely I-, I mean i also am a huge b-movie schlockfest fan mm-hmm. when when you mentioned this episode or this idea for this episode i was immediately in because extra is one of my all-time favorite b-movies yes i I think that my fascination with it kind of started from monster movies because part of what I like Mm -hmm. about monster movies is being able to sort of see the seams and like really understand like I'm looking at a movie. I can tell that those are miniatures Mm -hmm. and that that's a guy. And for some people that turns them off and they're like, I don't like this because I want to be fully immersed in the world of the movie or whatever. But for me, I can Mm -hmm. separate enough 
to enjoy that and and see the craft and the care and the dedication that goes into the movie and that kind of trickled down into a lot of these other B movies because oftentimes because they don't have the budget this is purely a passion project this is people who wanted yeah. to make a movie getting out there and making it happen with whatever resources they had and i love that yeah it's like a you saying that reminds me of like it, it it think i think it's one of the things i also enjoy about like theaters like you see the scenes and you see you see the production of it all so like yes like these people couldn't afford to like they they couldn't afford to, to rent out a hospital so they just put it in like a black room and they put a spotlight over it and they put a lady in yeah. a gown and that's a hospital like our brain can connect those dots and like it, it is fun seeing like the sort of like, like you said seeing the stitching and the strings like that makes it so much more enjoyable and also mm-hmm. it like it adds like flair to it it adds like oh yeah it's like it's it's it, i can still enjoy the art but to also see like where things are, sort of go off the rails a little bit and like i do like have an unironic appreciation dare i say love for like these type <laughs> of movies like that like yeah. this is a completely different tangent but like speaking of like other alien aliens ripoffs have you heard of the movie deep shock i think or the shock deep it's like a no, I an don't know Italian. That. It's an Italian. Well, it's an Italian joint, so you know it's already great off the <laughs> yeah. jump. But it's 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 one of my, it's my one of my it's it's almost impossible to watch. Not it, it, it can watch it, but like you know you're not gonna you're gonna be you know what kind of movie you're watching. But like yeah, my favorite thing about it is that it's a ripoff of like Aliens and Terminator, and they mash them together. <laughs> and like as I was speaking about how you can see, like when they just rent like a warehouse. They they had access to some like steam tunnel in this movie, so like every single like shot happens either in like the steam tunnel from different directions or in like the workers' lounge area where the steam tunnels are. <laughs> and it's like they the, the fact that they were able to stretch it out for like ninety minutes is like yeah. so impressive and it's such a fun new movie. angles, new yeah. angles. <laughs> if you can, if you can check it, I think I saw it on Amazon Prime. I don't know if it's still there, but like if you can find, I think it's called either Shock Deep or Deep Shock. It's a I highly recommend it. I feel like you really enjoy it. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely check that one out. And uh, you know, just because I like to have the veneer of uh, of intelligence on this show, I will <laughs> say that this passion for sort of seeing beyond the the illusion of cinema sort of relates <laughs> to uh, you know Brechtian theater, like you're yeah. sort of talking about, and and uh, you know lets you judge a little more critically. Yeah, and uh, you know, there you go. <laughs> Extro 2, like I said, is the sequel to the smash hit of my heart, Extro, and yes. retained the delightfully curmudgeonly talents of Harry Bromley Davenport. I assume a distant relation of Hayes Davenport, although Hayes should be so lucky. <laughs> yeah, I'll ask him next time I see him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but basically, uh, Harry was broke. He has straight up said that the reason he like came to this movie is because he needed the work, which I respect it. Sometimes you gotta do what you got to do. Yeah, you and need- you got to pay bills. Exactly. Harry has bills as well. And since extra was a pretty big hit for new line cinema, which uh, it gave them the money they needed to make nightmare on Elm street. He was like, I'll go Mm. back to that. Well, this was my success. I'll I'll get it again. But where this gets tricky is that um, Harry Bromley Davenport had retained the rights to the name extra, but not the story. So he could make a new one, <laughs> but it couldn't have anything to do with the original. Oh boy, poor guy. Yeah, that's a that's not an ideal situation. <laughs> I feel like that's I feel like that's how all these movies would have come about. Is that 
you, there's some weird contractual thing like you can keep the name, but you can't keep the monster, or like you can keep the monster, but you have to change your name. You're like, well, really, you're just saying that I I can't even make the thing that I want to make, then, right? Exactly. And I mean, ultimately, what wound up happening is the writers of this script had cobbled together their own B movie ripoff of Aliens or mm-hmm. Alien, even. It's just like kind of in the middle. It sits in the middle of both of them. And yeah, see, yeah, it's very way. very strange seeing a ripoff of like <laughs> the prequel and the sequel to the movie. It's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they were having trouble getting it made because it's like you said, it's kind of a mediocre script. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, so you can kind of see how the plan begins to come together where Harry Bromley Davenport needed a script that he could throw the extra name on and they needed the Davenport mm-hmm. name and getting him back in the director's chair. So they were all just kind of like, all right, this is a win-win teamwork makes the dream work. Let's get this done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We know what we're making. Yeah, exactly. They they really did. I think Harry Bromley Davenport in particular really understands kind of what's happening here. I I mean, he, you know, he, he has very warm words for the crew. He like talks very nicely about the people he worked with, but he already doesn't even really like extra. And he (laughs) he was even less of a fan of working on this movie. He calls the script, the definition of artlessness and he absolutely (laughs) rails against Jan Michael Vincent. Now, Mr. Vincent. Oh, that's funny. He had a a series of substance abuse problems and a series of assault charges Mm -hmm. as well against him by exes, which made me think he's probably not the most fun person to be around, but more immediately relevant is that it means that he did not give a single shit about this movie that he was making. Yeah, you can you can sort of see that because like a, like a, I I I uh, sorry I didn't mean to cut you off, but like I no I just like he he literally just popped up for like his intro in the movie, <laughs> and he could not be more bored. Like he is like a thousand miles away from this set. He's doing his thing though, and uh, you know they finally got an exploitation studio that was looking to class it up a little bit. They came on board and they gave him a budget of two million dollars, and off they went to Canada. Oh, wow. To film this movie. Yeah, two million bucks to make this is honestly that's, pretty, that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. You know, that that's what uh, the Davenport name gets you, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's gotta be like what five or six in today's money. Like that's a pretty decent budget. Like that's a surprisingly large budget for yeah. for this movie. Yeah, I don't know where it went. <laughs> I guess yeah. to Jan. But uh yeah. You know, and then not only did he not enjoy just spending time with Jan Michael Vincent, but uh, JMV or JVM, no, J- JMV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, you JMV. Uh, he showed up not knowing his lines or what was going on. Davenport said that he had to recite the lines for him to repeat and oh, stand in the eye line so that he knew where to look. <laughs> and, um, See, it's funny that he's doing that because, like, at least when Marlon Brando was like, started to show his ass like he at least was like a fantastic actor you know like right he had sort of like <laughs> he had like earned being like a, a wacko like this is like jan michael vincent was just like no i'm just gonna i'm just gonna i'm just gonna skip all the skips and go right to being a diva <laughs> some might say that this is his apocalypse now <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <The> horror <laughs> <laughs> and there was actually like kind of a, a sad little quote from harry where he talks about how he would have felt bad for him being such a mess but 
that he wasn't even trying. And so everyone else mm. was trying at least. Yeah, and yeah. even if it was a silly little monster movie, it was theirs. And they were like, you know, we get to work on yeah. this movie. It's fun. And so he, he was like, yeah. Jan Michael Vincent was really like just bringing down the production. So come on, uh, Jan. Sucks. Yeah. Have some fun. You're in like a little monster movie. You go into different universes. Just enjoy the ride. Exactly. Ex- like, yeah, I, some people get a little uh, highfalutin, and they they don't like that they're in these low budget productions. And uh, yeah, you know that's a shame. I think, but uh, it is what it is, and that's where you get such yeah. uh, staples like Cameron Mitchell, who who make their name in in doing that. <laughs> oh so. yeah, love I I love <laughs> I love watching any movie from like the seventies or eighties, and me like, am I is this going to be like a <laughs> is he going to pop up? I hope he pops up, and it's when he a does, 50, it's always 50 a delight. Chance. 50-50 chance of <laughs> yeah. Cameron Mitchell showing up. And then if he shows up, it's a 75% chance that he's sitting down the entire time he's on screen. <laughs> he's sitting down in like his office that they <laughs> shoot that they use for multiple rooms for some reason. Multiple <laughs> movies. Like he like, you can get me, but I'm not leaving this little office. So like, yeah, all right, you, you have to, to come to my house and shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and like you said, this came out almost a full decade after extra mm-hmm. and to give you kind of an idea of how complete this cash in was the tagline <laughs> is part alien part predator all terror hell yeah you yeah. got a link in alien and predator yes. neither of which franchise it's actually connected <laughs> beautiful we yeah love i love it. that that's some like classic canon films like level poster schlock oh yeah and we get a taste of how different this movie is going to be right away from extra yeah. because Ultimately, Extra was a pretty small scoped story for an alien invasion movie. Like, it's about just a family in London. And in this movie, we start off helicoptering over the Arctic (laughs) with like a very 90s sci fi title card assembles itself. And you're like, okay, I get what is happening here. Yeah, this is not a small, like a relatively small emotional, like, and, (laughs) and like still frightening psychological horror alien movie. This is like, bombastic flying over like you said <laughs> flying over the arctic to like the secret military base that no one's known about <laughs> oh man and we we also get a glimpse at the futuristic tech they're working with yes i i would say that a comparison that people will have actually seen is like the hacking scene in jurassic park I think oh it, it yeah yeah a lot of line graphs <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my favorite thing that about that that their high techness is that like there's this just a scene at the beginning where it's just like the evil, like the big bad scientist is talking like some G man, and like this just them two standing together, shoulder <laughs> to shoulder in a two shot, and like to make it seem like they're in a high tech thing, they just have like every thirty seconds there's like a British computer voice saying six hundred meters, seven hundred <laughs> meters, like they're in like some elevator that just says what level they're on while they're going down. It's perfect. It is perfect. It really is, <laughs> and. We discover that the the voice that we're hearing is the Nexus program uh, facility, which is not just high tech. It's governed by this computer, which is a classic (laughs) mistake. (laughs) Yeah. You never want to have that. Like, I do like that. That's their connection to Alien, though, is that we're going to have the mother computer run our our (laughs) super science center. Hell, yeah. Um, and Dr. Summerfield there is telling this G-Man bigwig who's part of the project um, that they're going to be able to generate a neutrino rich proton beam that can travel the speed of light, allowing for interdimensional bilocation or duo tangents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
See, that's why you like comic books because you can just say, like, if you have Reed Richards say that, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. I'm of buying course. all of it. But when you hear it out loud out of a human's <laughs> mouth, you're like, okay, you're just throwing words together. <laughs> oh, you don't know about duo tangents? Yeah, you don't know about protein rich neuron beams, <laughs> you plebe. <laughs> um, but unfortunately for Dr. Summerfield, he's reminded of a disaster that happened on their previous attempt to do this in Texas. Yeah, where did it and happen? Because they only say the word Texas about a thousand times in that thing. <laughs> I think it was in Texas. <laughs> and <laughs> he, he grumbles that it wasn't a reflection on the Nexus program. It was caused by one bad guy just in time for the next big event. Some people are getting sent into an alternate dimension. And one of my favorite mo- uh, aspects of their protective suits is that the helmets are really more of a shield. It's like just a, a sheet of glass. It doesn't form a seal at all. So what's yeah. the point of it? <laughs> They're like, you know, we back then it's probably like you're honestly, they probably their TVs have like 240 resolution. They'll never <laughs> see the, the gap between their neck. They're good. Send it in. <laughs> Roger Corman will be proud. Honestly, you're probably right. They probably just like, eh, we didn't think about about this with having the head in there. Uh, whatever, <laughs> who cares? Yeah, there's an error that happens that it, it shows up but quickly vanishes, and so they dismiss it as interference, and off they go. But mm-hmm. wherever they wind up, they just see a big sphere on the horizon. This uh, is a cool a- sequence. I will say that like this is like a really, really like rad effective sequence, and I think. The thing that I don't know if you feel the same way, but I think the thing that really makes it work is that like the smart thing that they took from aliens is that like when the Marines go into like the reactor or whatever, and it's all shot from like shaky cam footage, what makes it seem so creepy is that they do that exact same thing, but because the resolution is so low on those monitors, like you, you want to see more like, what is this weird spirit thing? Like, where are they at? Like this, like this environment just seems very creepy. And like having rewatched it recently, that, did still sort of creep me out at like 33 years old. I'm like, wow, this is like an effective like scene like this. I want more of this in the movie. Yeah. See, I, I do like the visuals of it. Yeah. I think that it is sort of undercut by more of the like techno babble happening. <laughs> yes. Go. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're like, Oh, it's high alpha wave frequency, <laughs> which are just like uh, a classic hallmark of danger, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It, that's what it gets. I mean, that's, uh, that's what I'll say. That's when it gets really Rick and Morty. Like the Schleim Schlams are going through the gamma <laughs> levels. You're like, okay. Uh, I hate when that happens. <laughs> Hope the Schleim Schlams are okay. Yeah. Damn it. Classic, classic glormbles. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's squanches everywhere. Oh no, not squanches. <laughs> you gotta watch those squanches. But <laughs> they they lose contact with the team, and they they reveal that they only have 12 hours of oxygen to last them in this alternate dimension, and that the people who are left in the Nexus facility basically have no idea what to do because Doctor Summerfield mm-hmm. wants to send in a strike team. Well, uh, which she's like, uh, everyone else is like, what are guns going to do? Like, they just vanished. Yeah. yeah. What are you going to shoot? Shoot up the transportation <laughs> device? Okay. Chill, dude. Uh, and You're then not Dr. the obvious K- villain. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they don't they don't tip their cards way too early here. Uh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, not. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Casserly, the scientist who was in charge on the floor, wants to send in Shepard, who it was revealed is the father of Nexus. The one who blew up the facility in Texas and the only one who has gone to the other side and returned from the same coordinates as this mm-hmm. team. 
So a, a lot of big reveals there. Yeah, yeah, a lot of they do pipe in a lot. Like they're like, <laughs> I, I, I do like I tip my hat to to the writers of this because like you got to pipe in so much background information to like be like, why do we care about this guy? Like, <laughs> why does this does why do they hate him but they still hire him? Oh, okay, yeah. he's the master of both worlds who blew up. With, okay, <laughs> we, we're, okay, we got it. Bring in the alien. <laughs> He would probably love to hear you call him the master of both worlds. <laughs> <laughs> Is he takes back another shot? <laughs> um, the government secretary agrees to both the strike team and se- sending Shepard. So Casserly goes to ask him, and I like wow when when I heard Harry talking about Jan being drunk on set, I was like, how bad could it really be? Yeah. But. With that very first scene where he's in like the cabin, kind of like uh, as a recluse, yeah, boy, he is he's uh, yeah. he's wobbling a little bit, but he does ultimately yeah. agree to help, <laughs> which is, I guess, what matters. <laughs> yeah, they got to that beat, but it's 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 not fun watching that. No, <laughs> but uh, one thing I do kind of like is uh, you know it's 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 very easy to just like make this like mystery of like he won't talk about why he did what he did the first time but you know yeah. it's simple enough that i'm like yeah okay that's cool i want to know yeah it's a, it's yeah it's simple it's effective also like i imagine the target audience for this are like 12 year old you know kids <laughs> or 16 year old kids or whatever so like you, you don't need to read the iliad like you just need to have a, like a hero that they that you learn as a badass. So it's very effective. So like, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah, it, it gets, it pipes in all the stuff you need to get piped in. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, they managed to bring back one of the team from the alternate dimension and she's alive, but in rough shape. And she refuses to answer questions and scratches up Summerfield when he like looks over her. And the strike team starts like suiting up to enter the alternate dimension. Yes. But <laughs> which I actually really like the strike team. I think that the those are like some fun. Of the fun characters. Yeah, they're yeah. Like I love like another th- the thing that I really enjoy about these type of movies that like since they're all B flicks, like everyone is having fun. So when you get to like the super fun moments like that, people are just like really leaning into it. And, like every <laughs> you can tell that like everyone knows exactly what they are making when they're doing it. Yeah, somebody like five minutes ago was watching Jesse Ventura go, it'll make you a goddamn <laughs> sexual tyrannosaurus. Yeah. <laughs> Me and old painless. <laughs> um, and so Shepard sneaks into the med bay and he steals something from the cabinet. And uh, I was like, uh, is this part of the movie or just footage they caught of him? <laughs> like, yeah. Is this yeah, is CCTV? Is this closed circuit <laughs> footage? Like is this security cam footage? He tries to inject the returned scientist who went to the alternate dimension, but he's stopped and cuffed in isolation by Summerfield and a security guard. Um, But it turns out that they should have let him do his thing because shortly after, a creature absolutely tears her apart from the inside, leaping up to the ceiling. It's it's rad. That's it's so it's such a good like monster. It's such a good kill. Also, it's like this is like when these movies shine. This is like one of those like. This is why you're here moments, you know, like you're like, 
this is we know what we do good and this is it like the big bloody moments is why you're here for extra yeah absolutely and i think that this is also where it's kind of leans into the alienness of it where there's a lot of shadows mm-hmm. going on and it's kind of like these quick flashes of gore yeah that are still very effective uh I, I think that this is this is a really just good scene in this movie you know what did you do you watch much anime at all do you are you like an anime some, guy some not a ton but but here some of the bigger names i've seen have you ever watched ava Evangelion. Uh, uh, I haven't watched it now. The only reason I bring it up is because, like, you were mentioning like how good the death scene is, and one thing that uh, it's really cool, like, I, like I said, I'm watching it right now, is that like they have like all these computer graphics, like quickly intercut, like warning and all this stuff, and like that reminds me a lot of like some of my favorite things about Ava is that like you'll just get very quick glimpses of like a computer chart like shooting up or like warning signs, and like it's very effective and also just like really cool and innovative and like. Seeing yeah. this in this movie is like, oh, I I rewatching it now. I'm like, oh, I forgot that they had this like cool like interactive like UI interface thing <laughs> going on. It's really effective. It's really fun. Yeah, I totally agree. There there really there are moments that keep you engaged, and that's what makes a good B movie. Because yeah. I mean, no, I don't think that anyone has ever paid attention to all 90 minutes of B movie. They're <laughs> yeah, exactly. built for kind of fading in and out. You know, you watch them with a friend, yeah. or like you're fiddling on your phone or you're smoking weed with your buddies or something like you know it's it's the kind of thing where you look up when you start hearing (laughs) shit go down on the screen when you hear the music when you hear the violin sting you're like oh yeah okay i'm back in (laughs) exactly exactly and uh, i think that this this nails those moments when it needs to draw you in it does yeah Mm-hmm. They stumble upon her, her corpse in a state of absolute dehydration, <laughs> and uh, and they find the torn grate. And the alien proceeds to run around the facility, killing people from the shadows and generally being slimy. This thing is grody. Yeah, classic <laughs> monster stuff. Classic alien stuff. Yeah, the, I love when these things become like the slash movie for like fifteen minutes, and it's just like. All right, what kind of good weird kills are we going to get from this thing? Exactly the Harry Dean Stanton moments of this movie. Yeah. Casserly frees Shepard from his handcuffs and Summerfield is all like jacked up where he got scratched by the scientist and he's starting to have these nightmare visions, which I actually do like the the visions that he's having yeah. as well. That's another fun moment. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a like there's just a surprisingly a lot going on for what this movie is. Like, you know, the idea of introducing like a, a, a secondary bad guy is like an interesting thing. I mean, I guess they did it in alien with like with ash or whatever, but like, right. You know, it was like seeing them like trying to do like the copy and paste of that to this. (laughs) It's it's funny seeing like the math check out. Yeah. The translation is always so interesting of like how it gets shifted over. It's it's like when you like put a phrase into Google Translate and, and then you switch it back. It's like, yeah, never, like, it's like a little where did those off. four extra words come from? Okay, and there's an umlaut over the O now. Okay, <laughs> and and three of those words were Jan Michael Vincent. Yeah. <laughs> but they meet up to discuss the situation, and I laughed really hard as Casserly is giving her presentation about like the layout of the facility and the vents and nobody is even looking at her. They are literally (laughs) completely turned around and they're all looking at camera, which like, this is another moment where it feels like, I think that Harry Bramley Davenport actually did have some like stage experience. And in these moments, Mm -hmm. it really feels like it comes through where they're like, okay, you can't have people's backs to camera. Like you can't have people's backs to stage. So, Everyone needs to be looking right down the barrel, even if it looks like you're completely ignoring. Her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even, um, even like just thinking back to like how like characters would move, 
on on in the movie like it 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 i don't know if this will make sense but like there's they look super small in camera but if you think back to like you can take like take yourself out of that and like think of like just the blocking like all the moves are like super slow, but it's very exaggerated. Like <laughs> her, like looking up as she like realizes the thing is happening is like, they're very big moments, but they, they feel small because they're in the camera. I don't know how to, the echo express that, but like it, it like, yeah. like you're saying, like it does make me think that like, it, it seems like a theater director, like marrying film directing. It's very interesting. Yeah. They're playing to the back seats as they say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's revealed that Summerfield uh, never actually reported the issue. He says that he wants to clean his own dirty laundry, which, you know, big time eye roll because yeah, what right. a, we, we what a dumb pride moment. But also, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, they get biocontained by the facility who has shut down their lines of communication at this point anyway. So even if he wanted mm-hmm. to, he couldn't have. Um, and the computer is going to lethally irradiate them, which sucks for them. <laughs> yeah. But rad. Um, like, it's cool. They had that backup plan. Rad's literally. <laughs> 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 They're going on the attack, though. And one member of the strike force has this huge, like, mas- machine assisted yes. gun. That's so fun. Yeah. I was like, what the hell yeah. is this? <laughs> I loved, I loved that. I loved that. They like, like, because like, I'm thinking like aliens, what's the coolest thing about it? The smart guns. Like, yeah, we can get a smart gun. Like, just take yeah, like what he he took a fucking steady cam and just slapped a gun onto it. We can yeah. do the same thing and like I love how like how like they're just like sort of janky and like they can't really like smoothly move around with it. He wasn't trained as a camera operator. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I did uh laugh my ass off at the scene where they're hunting for extra and it's just like this blue tinted room that's yeah. e- uh, empty except for like a few metal squares on the ground that he's jumping on top of. <laughs> and the music is like, this is so intense. I can't believe this is happening. And it's just these two middle-aged white guys walking through a blue tinted room. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, with big like cartoon guns. <laughs> <laughs> and they all meet. I mean, you'll get to this in the synopsis, but they also all meet like just the like, dorkiest death like they don't die in action it's like a guy's resting near a vent and his head gets punched through it's like it's all like it's all like they're, they're like they're like one degree away from like slipping on like an alien banana peel and like falling into the monster's mouth i would like to see that honestly <laughs> i also i do like the little glimpses of the extra in the shadows yeah. that we get as they're like stalking each other it kind of goes back and forth like you said it punches mm-hmm. through the back of the colonel's head which is fun um and it attacks and it knocks back shepherd and one thing that i will say that one of the sticking points for me with this movie the things that stands out in a negative light is the lighting mm-hmm. um this is yeah. not my favorite part of it but you know all things considered for there to really just be one thing that sticks out as like really negative is is not that bad for for a B movie. Yeah, and you, like the lighting is it works for like certain moments in the thing, but like every yeah. but there's a majority of the movie where it's just like one giant light coming like hard ass light coming from like camera right, and you're like, yeah. is there just one light source in this <laughs> entire facility? Like <laughs> that's all they could afford. Like they're just moving around. Like, yeah, I guess the, they in- they spent all their money. They spent all their money on that. 1000 meter elevator in nexus they couldn't <laughs> get any small smart bulbs <laughs> it's it's not even like a lamp that was made to be moved around they have like a <laughs> yeah. big like, yeah, no that's a that's lamp. a yeah that's a structural lamp we can't move that that's a load-bearing <laughs> lamp <laughs> Your classic load-bearing lamps <laughs> 
But I do also laugh at how quickly uh, Casserly turned from like a random egghead to like taking off her glasses and becoming like a Sarah Connor, Ellen Ripley yeah. type. Yeah, uh, made you gotta it have that moment. clear by her opening fire on the extra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they get real badass real quick. They they, they know that PD people's attentions are starting to slip. <laughs> <laughs> like we need to have the we need to have her become a hero real fast. Hell yeah! And the extra does flee. Uh, although I'm pretty sure they've used that shot of the tail in the light pulling away like three times already. <laughs> at this point, yeah, they just like flip it so like instead of going this way, it goes that way. You know? <laughs> uh, and one of my favorite things about this design is the tiny face because <laughs> it's oh, like. Oh. They they looked at Alien and they said, okay, the thing that freaked everyone out is the tiny mouth that comes out. And they called it a day. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're going to give him a long-ass head, tiny face. But, <laughs> and, and, like, we'll make him enormous. Like, we'll make it, like, you can almost see, like, the the forklift moving the <laughs> giant trash bag monster as it fights in, like, the, the warehouse. And uh, there's an emergency maintenance hatch in the air shaft, which is important because they can't escape. <laughs> And uh, it's next to the 402 section on level green, which (laughs) (laughs) I forgot they had that very specific detail. (laughs) And it said in like the purest Canadian accent I've ever heard. It's so funny to me. It was really great. Uh. And so they all enter the air ducts only to hear that it's closing in fast. Cut to the slowest moving camera ever. Very funny. Very <laughs> cognitively dissonant. Uh, it's, just, it's just great stuff. <laughs> Meanwhile, Summerfield is trying to convince the other scientists to leave them all trapped in there to confine the extra because he's out there with just one other person. And, but everyone hears him doing this and yeah. they make it, which, you know, that's also classic bad guy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> someone's going to someone's about to turn the tables, if you know what I'm saying. Mm hmm. And uh, they make it to the shaft with the spinning blade, a spinning fan blade at the bottom and extra at the top. (laughs) This is a cool sequence. I will say like, it looks like it looks silly, but it looks also very fun. Like I love how like, like you can feel the tension. It's, it's very good. You, you can feel the tension and it also, this is one of the ones where you can like see what they were imagining. Yeah. Pretty easily. Yeah. 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 You can see, you can see the pitch. Like they're literally stuck between the two (laughs) types of death and like, like it looks like it's just it's the guy has a funny death like it looks silly when he dies but like them like stuck in like this elevator uh, elevator shaft like doing the weird like grap whatever that grappling hook thing they use to like slide down the lines like that's a like that, i can see i see that pitch and it, i can yeah. the, it looked it was a really cool pitch like execution not great but like it it works for what they're doing for two million dollars it works yeah absolutely it does and the extra does uh, like drop down and attacks and it kills uh, Mancini uh, mm-hmm. who gets a grenade thrown to him. And in his dying moment, he ignites the pair of them. Yes. Uh, but it's this tiny little flame that drops to the bottom. <laughs> it's so funny to see them film it so dramatically. Also, I feel like he falls for like a really long time. Too. Like <laughs> he falls for an, exorb- an exorbitant amount of time. And then like, you're like a little, like a little firecracker <laughs> goes off for Mancini rip to a real one. <laughs> Shout out, God. We remember you, God Mancini. <laughs> he was a real one, God. <laughs> uh, they make it away, and uh, one of the soldiers punches Summerfield, and they kind of like scatter to recuperate. And Shepard sneaks up on Casserly, who is his ex-girlfriend, and <laughs> he tries to smooch her, from which she does a big, big recoil. 
Which felt very yeah. real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, they, they, this is not acting. This is this is reacting. <laughs> That's the purest yeah. form of performance. <laughs> yeah, and uh, they they she winds up going for a hug instead of the kiss. <laughs> she does like the one arm like this. Yeah, side, side hug. Yeah, yeah, we're good friends. And yeah. she, she says that she wants a tissue sample now that it's dead. And I will say that the plot gets a little funky here because. She mm-hmm. says this, but this is like immediately after we just saw it, it blow up into fire. And then uh, also they're setting yeah. up explosives and talking about it like it's still alive, like in the next scene. So uh, it feels like maybe some yeah, yeah. stuff got shifted around in the editing room. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my feeling, too. Like something got cut. <laughs> something important yeah. thing got cut here. <laughs> where they find him again and they're just like uh we can't you know the budget to <laughs> oh, no, he's that back scene somehow. where the extras back <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah we are yeah we already stopped renting the warehouse we were shooting this in we got we, we, we only got this one boardroom yeah <laughs> um and S- summerfield is in even worse shape now from his scratch and uh, the scene of him freaking out is very funny. <laughs> I, I, you know, not to, look. Hey, maybe this really is like apocalypse now because it kind of feels like the opening scene when, uh, <laughs> yeah. when he's freaking out in his room. And he like pulls out yeah. the gun like he's going to shoot himself, and you know, obviously this isn't executed to quite the same level as apocalypse now. Yeah. But you know, it's got something going. He's committing. I'll say that he's really committing to to this transformation. Yeah, he certainly is. The soldiers finish up, finish up setting the C4 around the shaft, um, but one of them gets surprised by the still alive alien and falls in, which is some very funny CGI <laughs> that they <laughs> use in that moment. And uh, the other guy gets his leg chomped, but sends it skittering away with a few pistol rounds right in the gob. Yeah. And, you know, this is like you were saying, the action scenes when they're happening I'm like engaged for real when this stuff is happening. <laughs> yeah, like they, I, I feel like they focus on the shit you want them to focus on, and like a movie like this, you know, like like no one really cares about how they get the thing into the machine to stop the bad thing. Like you want to see if you, int- it's like I mean, this is this is such one on one, but like and Ch- Chekhov's gun. Like if you introduce like this big <laughs> stupid looking machine gun thing, at some point you're like, I just want to see somebody pull the trigger and like. And when they get to those moments, they feel it's so rewarding because like they're like, yeah, this is what they came here to see. Yeah. And Extro circles back around and he jumps on the elevator that this guy was in and he sends it plummeting down. And the soldier within it has just enough time to cobble together the C4, which explodes as they hit the ground, creating an mm-hmm. explosion that is both enormous and yet does not hurt Shepard, who is standing right <laughs> in front of the doorway. <laughs> Yeah, he just sort of like not. He just like he's like on the side, like oh no, <laughs> gust of wind. <laughs> uh, Summerfield is fully off the deep end at this point, and he winds up shooting one of the soldiers as the radioactive flush timer counts down, and he collapses in a daze as the extra reemerges, somehow still fine. <laughs> they are just like, you know what, this thing fireproof. Yeah, um, <laughs> explosion proof, like a hundred meter shaft proof too. <laughs> Well, luckily, it's not completely explosion proof because no getting away yeah. this time as Shepard lights yeah. this thing the fuck up and then switches yes. to a rocket launcher and blows it to 
smithereens. Yeah, it's like this is this is what you want. Like this is what I was talking about. Like when you when you set up the big stupid machine gun, you want to see this dude like unload and like I feel like he unloads for like fifth. It's like a long. Like, he shoots long. For, like a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's like a long time. Like I'm really gonna make sure you're dead. Yes, and then they really cap it off with the rocket getting put in, <laughs> and, uh, and <laughs> yeah, the big hero shot of him like clunking it into place. Like yeah, oh, you're about to great. be dead. They lug the infected Summerfield to the duo tangent, uh, though he tries to get off. You can't get off that duo tangent. No, you cannot yeah. get off that duo tangent. And so Shepard goes in to make sure he doesn't get off the duo tangent, and he kicks him to keep him on the duo tangent, and he sacrifices himself as well, or so we think. Bum, bum, bum. I also I do like the effects here where Shepard like starts to swell up and ooze like the damn brundle fly. Yeah, it's gross. It's really gross. <laughs> like he's like shooting out like weird milk pus stuff. Like it's gr- it, it still hits hits now. Like, yeah, it's later. it's gross. And they wind up sending him to the parallel dimension as he blows up and the decontamination protocol ends. And we see that Shepard is actually fine and they're gonna make it out. But Casserly gets a message from the monster in her head. Fun stinger outro. Roll credits, baby. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's a movie. Yeah, it worked. It's so good. I, I, uh, it is wild how quickly she just becomes like Linda Hellman. Like she literally looks like Linda Hellman and straight from Terminator Two. Yeah, and uh, you know it's a fun movie. Like I said, we we're not constrained by best on this spotlight episode but uh we can certainly sum up our thoughts on uh extra too if you want to go ahead and, and kick us off yeah like like i sort of said in the beginning like the thing that i enjoy most about these movies besides just like being indoctrinated into them when i was a kid is that like you see the fun of the filmmaking you know like and i know the director is like broke but like seeing like everyone on the screen for the most part like knowing what they're making like seeing like them commit to like these roles and like seeing the fun in between, like, like there's this, there's a part, I think really late towards the end, I think right before, uh, you know, the dude goes crazy. It's like, <laughs> like Lin, not Linda Hamilton and the soldier that gets shot. He's just like eating a piece of cheese and some grapes <laughs> for some reason. And I'm just like, that's just such a weird just choice to make for this movie. Yeah. Like they're in this like safety bunker eating like the most perishable things you can imagine, like soft <laughs> cheeses and grapes. Like all that stuff is so funny, but like seeing, Seeing um, I, this, I don't want this to sound like a disparaging thing or like I don't appreciate it, but like whenever I think, whenever I hear people talk about like filmmakers or directors that like are bad or like they're hack, like the easiest ones are like Michael Bay is a bad director. Like I don't like his movies and I think something argument could very well be made that his direction may not be up to par, but like I I think it maybe it was maybe like every frame of painting or one of those essay sites is like, you know, to really, I think to really appreciate what they're making, look at their imitators, which would be like, you know, battleship and look, go look at transmorphers. You know, yeah. Transmorphers. You're like, Oh, I see what he brings to these movies. I don't particularly like these movies or I may not enjoy his style, but like, I see, I see the value that he could bring in this type of filmmaking because he created this type of filmmaking. And I think that's sort of same thing when, when I see like not only alien to extra two, but extra two to extra three. Cause I don't know if he came back for extra three, but like extra three to extra two is just such it's like it just does it's not fun like it's the same basic basic premise of like military finds a monster and the monster is like hunting them down one by one but like it's not fun like this one is and like there's something it, it, it checks everything you need to check when you're watching this is like you know some stupid 14 year old kid like big monster 
high strangeness technology, like big guns, like characters that can be swapped out for any other movie, but like they know the genre that they're making. Like every like like the 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 military dudes are always fun in these movies because there's always like the hot shot, there's always like the scaredy guy, there's always like the southern dude that likes to joke too much, or, like has like weird sayings that he says, and like all those things like are just so fun to watch and like being able to appreciate those now that like I'm older and like I'm sort of in that industry and being like, yeah, like if you were to give me this movie and be like, hey, this was made for two million or maybe like five or six million dollars now, whatever the the exchange is, I'd be like, oh, this was a success. Like these people made out their thesis was to make this type of movie and they went out and made this type of movie. And it was for me, it's a resounding success. And also, like, I'm just a sucker for, like, practical effects. Like, there's something about seeing a, a big, dumb monster taped to a forklift, like, walking around. And, like, you have to shoot it from low angles or else you'll see the forklift driver. And, like, all that stuff is just, like, a love letter to filmmaking. It's, it's things that that still warm my heart when I see them. And, like, I have a deep appreciation for for these type of movies because they are, like, made for everyone. And, like, you know, they're they're meant to invoke a very specific reaction from they're meant to give you a very specific dopamine hit for a budgeted price. And I can never not look down upon that. Yeah, I totally agree. And I uh, think that that's a really interesting way of looking at it. This sort of like look to the imitators to see what the director is really bringing to it. That's, I think that's a really interesting insight, but um, one thing that I think is really cool about this movie is that um, to me, this feels like one of the, great ways to sort of intro people to B movies and get them into them because this is one of the ones where it's like, if you know that your friend loves alien and aliens, this is the one that you use to get them in. If you know that your friend loves Mm -hmm. creep show, you show them scary tales. If you know that they love Godzilla, then you show them Gorgo. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's just this, it's a great stepping stone to introduce someone to the world of B movies. And, and, and I just love that. And I am appreciative of that as someone who loves B movies and wants more people to be exposed to that. Yeah. 100%. I agree. Like I was just watching, they, they, I have Amazon prime and they have all, they have like Elvira on there. And as I was watching, I think she did like an early, like 2014, 13, like new series. And like, I was watching puppet master and demonic toys. And as I was watching it, it made me think back to when, like I was watching these type of movies in college, like, I had an apartment, but like, that was about it. Like I couldn't afford anything. Like I wasn't like a TV writer who had money. Uh, I was like broke as shit. I didn't, I couldn't afford cable. So I had public access. And like one of the things that they had on public access was Elvira. Like she would do like, like a, a, her Saturday night, like monster movie shows. Right. And you'd, you'd watch like, you know, cat people or like, you know, all these like weird, like B 60s, 70s horror films. And like watching that and be like, Oh yeah, this is great. Like, this is what, this is like a, a, in its own way a very cool artistic outreach thing because you like I said like you're 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 showing people these movies that would normally would never have any other way of being shown them and also you're introducing people to the idea of like these really fun interest the idea of just paracinema in general is like just an interesting thing and it encompasses so much outside of just like Goodfellas and like you know the the I don't I feel like I'm really shitting on Scorsese today for some reason. I don't mean to. Don't lie. This is a Marvel hit job. Yeah, this is a Marvel hit job. Sorry. I'm coming <laughs> back for you, baby. Keep one eye open, Marty. Uh, I like it because it introduces people to a whole different breadth of cinema that I think they traditionally would not get introduced to or is traditionally like sort of looked down upon. Like genre films, some of them do good, but generally I feel like there's a thinking, there's like a sort of sense of like, oh, they're sort of low class or like 
they're disposable. And they some of them are, but also there's some really interesting concepts that can be found in those movies. Like get out, like we said, like, get out would not exist if it wasn't for like pair if there wasn't for like giallo films or like yeah. any type of weird like genre movie. So like seeing those things made from like not just a prestige point of view, but also from just like the sort of like more ground level pedestrian like consumer level is still something really interesting because also a lot of these things were just built for straight to VHS at the time market. So like the idea is like, yeah, I, I can't afford to like take my, you know, five, my three kids and and spouse to go see these movies. Or I can go to like Walmart and spend $7 and get sort of an approximation of that and still <laughs> yeah. own it. And then like watch it whenever I want to is like something that I think that's that maybe that's how I justify it. But like, that's something that I've really become an appreciative appreciative of lately. It's also sort of uh, as as a, as a whole, not exclusively in extra too, but mm-hmm. that's where a lot of innovation happens because yeah. they're willing to take the risks because they don't have so much money on the line. Mm-hmm. And so, like you say, where Get Out's influences can really be traced backwards, the same this is the same for dozens and dozens and dozens of of huge name movies because people see the seeds of good concepts in Mm -hmm. these low budget movies and they use that to sort of springboard into their own uh, larger budget executions of Mm -hmm. it and you know when you look back you're looking at sort of the shoulders of the giants that people are standing on and Mm -hmm. i think that it's really important to have an appreciation for that base level so uh that's that's where i'm at yeah i i could not agree more i could not agree more i I really also, this is just like a, a, a weird internet thing now, but like when you, you can find a lot of these movies on Amazon prime, but also wink, wink, you can find them for free on YouTube, which is what I, how I watched it. I watched one that just had like Russian <laughs> subtitles for some reason. Hard coded in baby. Yeah. But the good thing about that is that also once you watch that and like, because like weird capitalists have their ideas and everything, like you can just see the thing that it recommends. And you can find these, all these yes. other really cool, <laughs> like adjacent, like B flicks that like, you just couldn't find Hell anywhere yeah. else. Absolutely. I totally agree. And, uh, I think that that is, uh, probably more than anyone has ever discussed extra two on a podcast. So <laughs> yeah. Thanks for letting me yell about it for an hour. I really appreciate it. No, my absolute pleasure. And, uh, if you want to hear Cody yell about other things on his own podcast or, uh, in comic books why don't you tell them where they can find you yeah check out if you want to hear me yell about anime and just nerd stuff in general check out the dark we pod i host out with a really funny friend uh, Bertie reed who i don't know if he's done this show but i think he definitely should he's a great funny oh, guy yeah, he's also cut from the same cloth as we are um comic books you know i'm writing some stuff for marvel check out miles morales spider-man number 25 that drops april 26 i think i got a short in that Perfect. And then May 26th, uh, I have Siege Society number one that drops. Uh, my first one shot would be really fun. Um, I would love for people to read it and enjoy it. And if you don't like it, don't have to tell me. So that's fine. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your mouth shut out yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. You don't, have to, you don't have to fill me in at all. Um, what's your Twitter, though, so people can tell you how much they loved it? Oh, yay for Zig. Yay for Zig across all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram. That's the like. Yeah, dude. Yeah, Anytime you want me to come back on and just nerd out about horror flicks or genre, let me know. I love doing this show. It's one of my favorite shows to do. Wow. Well, thank you so much for saying that. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's always a pleasure to have you on as well. And, uh, you know, people, uh, check me out little horror PHL, you know, you know, the deal at this point, uh, (laughs) this is the Patreon. So you're all signed up for all the jazz already. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks everyone. And thanks again, Cody. Bye.